Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Ringing Ear Podcast, where we are nothing if not biased and unqualified. This is the show about music usually hosted by two former record store clerks, brought to you by KillboringMusic.com. I am former record store clerk and San Diego-based freelance writer Jeff Nail, and my aim, as always, is to act as your partner through all genres familiar or foreign, new or nostalgic, in order to help you, the listener, avoid the boring music, because what do we do with the boring music, Mr. Guest Host? You take it to the grocery store and cough on its produce. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Uh, welcome to 305, episode 305, in which we talk hair metal. We also have music from Pearl Jam and This Mortal Mountain. I am proud to have with me today comic book geek, pop culture muckraker, and host of the podcast, the TomCast Popcast, as well as co-host on Beer Night in San Diego, Tom T-Bone, if you know. <laughs> fuck that up. <laughs> perfect. Tom T-Bone Pritchard. <laughs> I love that. Excellent intro. How the hell are you, Tom? I'm, I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, perhaps you've, you've forgotten, you know, we've been friends for many, many years. But I, too, am also a former record store clerk. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Is that true? Back in the day, Circuit City had a music department, and I sold CDs and tapes and all the good stuff there. You're not going to believe this, but I also had a brief stint in the music section at Circuit City. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't working in San Diego or wherever you were, but uh, but still, same shit job. Am I right? That's a shit job. No, it was. Uh, I, I was back in Maryland at that point in my life, and. Okay. Uh, that was my, my, my amazing job after high school. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had a, I think it was only about a four-month stint, but man, was that a dead section of the store. <laughs> no, one, <laughs> no one goes to Circuit City to buy music, at least not in my hometown. Were you, were you a busy uh, music section? Uh, fairly so. Uh, it was really great when I was first working there because it, it was a bunch of us guys who were just into rock and roll and we just kind of used the store to play our own music <laughs> that we wanted to listen to. But uh, that rubbed everyone the wrong way really, really fast. Why is that? Well, you know, I like, I like the heavy metals <laughs> and, and the loud. The heavy metals. And, and uh, m- m- most people don't like the louds and the heavy metals. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's it's a it's a common problem. It's not something we run into too much on this show, though. That's why you guys are great because you appreciate the metal. Because we like the louds. But I mean, you know, it's it's hard to be uh, it's hard to be a heavy metal boy in a in a pop music world. It always has been, but especially at our age, I think. Oh, definitely at our age. A <laughs> little harder. Well, I'm glad to have another uh, qualified former record store clerk, at least. How goes your pandemic? I understand you're essential. Yes, I am an essential employee. So in the grand scheme of things, my life hasn't changed too much. But, uh, you know, the wife and I are both kind of bearing and dealing with things as much as we can, though I find that we're like a lot of people in the sense that uh, our biggest complaints are very first world-ish. And so I try to keep my, my bitching and moaning to a minimum. Mm-hmm. And, but overall, not, not too hard so far? Not too bad? No, it's 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 been a little frustrating for the wife. My wife is in in the medical community, so it's she's a little bit more uh, on that actual like front line and, and kind of having to deal with things and, and the the stress and the anxiety and and, and people's like fear and, and all, all that stuff. You know, it just is it's a, a deadly cocktail of of emotion. Yeah, and and Mrs. Tom works like you said. I, I can't remember how you put it, but uh, she works in the healthcare field. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's not an easy cross to bear. Is she? In the line of fire, as so to speak? Uh, only in the sense that her specialty is uh, ear, nose, and throat, and those are all things that breathe on people. 
So Oh God. So yes. Yeah, but she's got you know, she has the mask, she has the goggles, uh uh you know, all the all the necessary equipment that a medical professional should have in these times. And uh she's just doing the best she can. So uh Okay. And and she, to be and we're both happy to be working right now, so so and we feel very fortunate to be working. So it's 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 uh, a, a I don't want to say a blessing and a curse necessarily, but it's it's good to be working still because so many people aren't. So we feel very, very fortunate. That's a good point, a good way to look at it, I guess. And speaking as someone who's going on his fourth week of not leaving the house, I uh, I have this. It's an odd envy I'm feeling right now. Yeah, you're like you're like <laughs> so. Jack and Lost or something right now, man. You're on your own little island and <laughs> it's just, no one's seen Jeff. I can't tell you how fortunate we feel to have moved to a newer, bigger house. I mean, like a month before this all started, not even a month. Uh, so I don't know what we would have done at our old place. And you're you're significantly closer to the Costco now too, which is nice. Well, you know, being that we're a household with uh, with I mean, I'm talking about me, but we're a household with one immunocompromised person. That actually isn't a whole lot of <laughs> of comfort because you know my wife is being really careful about bringing anything into the house. So sure, um, we're actually sticking sticking to delivery as much as we can and, and leaning on friends like you, you were nice enough to drop off some groceries. So thanks again for that. No, happy, happy. I could help. Uh, and, and, and the, the offer extends for as long as this is going on, but once it clears up, Jeff, you gotta get your ass to the grocery store on your own. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I will <laughs> be happy to. You'll be so stoked to get out. You're going to run all the errands. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go through our history real quick. We've actually, I was marveling at how long, I mean, granted, this isn't this isn't Radio Gold exactly, so we'll go through it quickly, but you and I have known each other for, I mean, God, what must be close to 20 years at this point. I, not quite that long, but it's it's definitely up there. I've, I've, I mean, I'm, we first met uh, shortly after I started dating the woman who would become my wife, and that is roughly 14 or 15 years. 15, okay. I was yeah. going to wonder, but yeah, I was wondering about... Uh, generally speaking, and you and I, uh, we we took to each other pretty quickly that first night. It was it was a magical first date for us. <laughs> it really was. It was uh, no. I'm just. I, I think our, our senses of humor kind of connected us pretty quickly, and, and we were uh, yeah quick to quick to make jokes and, and stuff like that. And I think that our, our senses of humor just meshed with each other. And then then the music stuff came, and that that was really interesting too, because like you were like the only other person I could, uh, other than my friend Christian, who knew who the hell KMFDM was. So. It's like, oh, this guy knows stuff. Let's talk about your musical taste. Generally speaking, where are you these days? These days, uh, I am in a, in a, I am in an eclectic mess is the best way I can describe it. I'm all over the place. That doesn't sound so bad. No, it's kind of fun. Um, I've kind of been... Uh, what's the best way to, expo- to explain this? Uh, there's, a, there's a project that I hope to be working on uh, over the summer. And it's requiring a little bit of musical research because I want to incorporate a lot of musical aspects in, into the story that I'm working on. And mm-hmm. I, so I'm kind of delving into late 80s, early 90s, kind of like the, you know, punk, pop, pop punk, emo rise and in, in, in music like that. So I've kind of been exploring a lot of that older stuff right now. Okay. Charting how that's kind of progressed through the 90s into... Not necessarily. Once we once it hits two thousands, I don't care anymore. But I'm I'm just kind of charting that progress through the nineties. <laughs> okay, and uh, I mean, uh, g- generally speaking, like I said, uh, you know, and, and I won't hold you to this, but can you give us an idea of who your all times are? Like, who's your who's on your uh, musical Mount Rushmore? Ooh, you know, I know we're not going to talk about heavy metal and, and thrash on this episode, but I think that's kind of like my cornerstone. 
as, as far as, you know, that was when I was very young and very impressionable. Bands like Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax were, were just the cream of the crop for me. I, I couldn't get enough of it. And mm-hmm. I know, I know Mount Rushmore has four, but I'm hesitant to put anything with Dave Mustaine's face on a mountain. So I don't want to say Megadeth. Yes. I, <laughs> no, Dave Mustaine does not need any more love. He's gotten more than he deserves in my book. That's just me. For the sake of fun, though, I'll just say Dio. We'll make Dio. We'll put Dio's face on a monument. Oh. That'd be pretty good. Okay. Dio had a cape and a scepter, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. And such a little guy, but a but a, uh, a big personality. It took me a long time to appreciate Dio. You know, me too at first, like, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, watching his videos from the from the early 80s, they seemed a little comical. But once you kind of get past the, like the dated look, the dated kind of visuals, you're like, this guy fucking rocks. Holy, holy diver, as the kids say, slaps. Well, do you want to jump into this? I'm, I'm a little scared, but a little nervous and a little excited. So it sounds like the perfect time to jump in. Well, did you, did you, th- I mean, we're basically the same age. I can't remember how old you are, actually. Are you a little younger than me? I'm a smidge younger, but not by much. Okay. So you were in high school when Pearl Jam was out. Let's talk a little Pearl Jam. All right, let's do that. Did you ever believe, would you have ever believed that uh, they would be together in 2020 and have released 11 albums at this point? I can honestly say no. (laughs) Were you a fan back then? Yes, I love Pearl Jam back then. Uh, You know, especially once, again, you might have a better terminology for it, but like once metal was kind of like on the ropes, taking it to the gut in the the 90s, Mm -hmm. um, I, I was, I fully embraced the the Seattle grunge scene and, and and Pearl Jam was you know kind of the cream of the crop in that in that group yeah and so I I love those those early albums they're they're what some of my favorites from uh, from my high school years yeah and and when did you fall off because I think most people do at some point in the timeline uh yeah Vitality kind of wore me out oh really so early it was it was I think it's earlier than most yeah yeah because that's ninety four Vitality's ninety four that can't be right. Yeah, I think it was late 94, so a lot of people kind of assume it was 95, but it technically was, I think it was November 94. How dare you? That can't be right. I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, we can hit pause here and check if you want. <laughs> no, I, I do. I know. I believe you. I, I do. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite. I don't know why. I, I guess it just didn't have like the, like the, the kind of like the rockers that, that, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the debut album in Versus had. Uh, but it's an album that has grown on me over the years. But that's that's kind of how Pro Jam's entire back catalog's been for me. Um, it was like, oh, once I started being a dope, it all kind of started making more sense, and I appreciated it a lot more. Uh, I I have been a fan for a very very. I mean, I mean, I guess the the length of time isn't important, but it's probably more important to say I've stuck with them. There's not been an album I skipped. You know, I I've always sort of held my breath and hoped for the best and and really since 
oh, I want to say um, Yield, which I think came out in 98. I don't think there's been an album that I've liked the majority of since then, but I always bought it. And there's always been bright spots. Uh, that's the one thing I will say about them. Even though uh, many of the albums are very disappointing, there's always at least one really good song on there. But this one, Gigaton, which was just released, has more than a couple. So they're they're upping their batting average. Have you listened to the whole record yet? I've not listened to the whole album yet, but I am really impressed with the first five, four or five songs that I have listened to. Mm -hmm. uh, they're really good. They're really strong opening uh, numbers. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been digging it. I, I can't get too deep into it because uh, my fanhood is not as good as yours. But I have enjoyed these, the, the early listening of this album that I have. I, I do think it still lacks momentum. That's kind of been, been my big complaint these days, especially with aging acts, is that back back when Pearl Jam first emerged, I, I sort of been regarding it as they were on their toes. You know, they performed from their toes. They wrote music from their toes. And these days, they sound more like they're on their heels, which, you know, it's not like it's unforgivable. It's totally forgivable. They're all in their 50s now. Uh, I just, sure. I really do, I really do miss some of the momentum, but... Uh, this this album Gigaton at least is more interesting, uh, and it's produced by someone named Josh Evans, where which I didn't see coming. Uh, they've been working with Brendan O'Brien for so long, yeah. uh, but Josh Evans uh, has worked with Soundgarden and Gary Clark Jr. So he, I mean, obviously he's he's got the chops for this, and and they've put out an album that ain't bad. There's one song in particular. I think it's the third or fourth song called Quick Escape. That's my favorite so far. Have you heard that one? I have. I have. It's, 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 again, that's a rocker. That's a really good song. And I think that's why I've liked this album so far is because it, it opens with, with just rocking numbers, man. Like, it's really, really good. Good high energy on them. Uh, relatively speaking, I'm with you. Yeah. So you've listened about half of it. Mm -hmm. uh, anything stand out for you? You know, I, I, it may be because I love the title alone, but this, the second cut, which is a Super Blood Wolf, Wolf Moon. <laughs> oh, okay. I dig that. I'm just like, that's a cool song. It just kind of, again, it just kind of rocks.
again, that's all I'm literally looking for out of bands that have been around as long as Pearl Jam nowadays. Is like, just keep rocking, man. Don't don't do uh, don't do that thing where you you get all weird and you know you start playing your age or something. <laughs> I just uh, I'm I'm I think I'm with you relatively. Where I I just don't want you to mail it in. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I want you to care. I want you to give a shit, even though you know you're you're older or whatever so i guess the only thing i want to say about pearl jam is is like 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 i said i i sort of kind of waned on them a bit during the vitality release and then i went i don't know seven eight nine years or something you know past no code and all those other albums and i just didn't care that much Mm -hmm. what they were up to even though i was still buying the albums and listening to them they never sunk their teeth into me but again about 10 years ago now i started getting back into them and that's when i started to appreciate some of those older albums and i think it's because I had some uh, musical maturity on my on my bones that that helped me kind of like oh okay I get it now they're they're actually like you know good musicians and artists okay so what what do you think the difference is you said maturity but is that about as best as you can put it like you just have to get a little older to appreciate it well you know we haven't started talking about our our main topic of the show <laughs> just yet yeah because because I'm going to talk to a lot. To at length of my my enjoyment of this particular genre, you might realize that I'm a bit of a shallow music listener. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes something with with like some depth to it, some some emotion and some heart is like, oh, it might take me a minute to get there, but I will eventually. On to our thought-provoking, musically-related topic, uh, a.k.a. we're calling it uh, Today's Tinnitus. We're breaking out a topic that we, the ringing ear has, I don't think we've, we've barely covered it at all. <laughs> we're busting out the Aquanet and the Leotards, the Eyeshadow and the Codpiece. We're talking hair metal. Uh, is that what you call it, Tom? I feel like, I feel like hair metal is a little pejorative. Yeah, I mean, I guess glam rock is another good word for it. Yeah, calling it metal is almost even weirder to me it, it really is especially looking back and, and you're like wow they played poison on, on headbangers ball at one point that's really weird oh yeah they played all those bands yeah <laughs> and and when you talk about when you consider the hair metal era i mean you ask the internet it basically says mid 70s to early 90s does that sound accurate for you uh, mid 70s that that's kind of a surprise i thought for sure it would have been you know basically 1980 uh, whenever, whenever Motley Crue first started recording is kind of like my delineation line, but I'm curious who they're, okay. who they're, who they're including. Well, I think what it is, is, is the presence of David Bowie, New York Dolls and Alice Cooper and Kiss. I feel like all four of those things kind of go into the melting pot that is glam rock. What do you think? I personally would not have thought that way, but sure. I, I, you know, for, for the sake of, of this show, let's do it. Let's, let's consider that part of that. Like you said, melting pot. And this is, uh, I mean, we're talking mostly uh, a New York, L.A.-based epicenter. You can call it uh, whatever you want in terms of mid-70s, early 90s or whatever. But this is, I mean, most to most people, this is firmly an 80s phenomenon, right? Firmly an 80s phenomenon. And, and to me, it was, and again, I, I was growing up on the East Coast. I was growing up in Maryland. And it seemed like all the biggest, most popular, you know, tallest hair acts yes we're all coming out of los angeles it was you know it was sunset strip whiskey a go-go all all that you know that seemed to be like to, to me that was the real epicenter i'm sure you have a, a plethora of new york bands to talk about but everything seemed la centric to me it, it did seem la centric although a couple of the bands we're talking about today 
come from all over. I, I mean, I have at least one British band, which makes sense, I think. Yeah, and I, I have a band from Maryland. So, I mean, but that was by design. I wanted to talk about something that wasn't <laughs> necessarily part of like that, 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 that hub of hair. <laughs> yeah, yes. Now, I have to ask this uh, because it, it's something that always comes up on the show. And, and feel free to dismiss it. Uh, but it's something I always like. Whenever we talk about music from the past, I have to ask myself. Uh, and, and actually, with this topic, it's less important because this is not a genre I have a ton of love for. Mm-hmm. But I think you have more love for it than I do. So I, I'm asking you, how much of this is nostalgia and how much of this, I mean, for as much as it can be, is, is this objectivity? Uh, I mean, a significant portion of it is nostalgia for me. Uh, a, a little bit more of, of my my musical origins i suppose uh is mm-hmm. when you know growing up i didn't have a lot of exposure to music until roughly middle school and mm-hmm. that was when we finally got cable in the house aha uh-huh, yes and i finally got to start watching mtv and this was this is the music that was on mtv so this was kind of like what i just dove into kind of head first because i was like oh cool it's this is what rock and roll is now and i didn't you know not really realizing that there is a difference between you know rock and roll and what was going on and and when you chose your top three, when I asked you for your top three, at first you thought I was asking albums, which is a taller order. You seemed relieved when I pointed out, no, it's just three songs. Were, were, was it difficult to do still? And how did you choose your three? Uh, I, I tried to put a lot of thought in, into my three because, like like I like I alluded to earlier, the, the hair metal, the the glam rock, whatever you want to call it, it it's an extremely shallow end of the musical spectrum. <laughs> so I, I was trying to find some stuff with like some actual depth, some actual, you know, musicianship that uh, that that kind of stands the test of time, despite being from a period that is kind of looked back on as a, I don't know, a bit of a anomaly. All right. Well, should we get started then? I guess we should. Yeah. Well, let's get it. Let's get into it, my friend. Would you like to go first or should I? Uh, I'd, I would love it if you lead the way since I am I am but your humble guest. But I, I do have one question for you first. Sure, sure. Are you drinking on this podcast? <laughs> I I am not. Should I be? Oh, no. I just was curious. I was like, we're talking about hair metal, and all these guys were drunk and living the life of excess, yeah. so like, let's drink at <laughs> 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Why not? Well, well, I am a type 1 diabetic just like Brett Michaels, so there's something, I guess. <laughs> oh, Brett Michaels. Did you know that, that, that he's a type 1? Yeah, I think he's a type 1 douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, our, our number threes, I'll, I'll start off. And and to be honest, this is the one pick I have where I was kind of surprised that I, I landed on this band. But when I heard the opening song to this record, I was really blown away. And like you say, you, I guess I'm kind of doing the same thing where I'm looking for a little depth. I'm looking for something you know, I mean, no offense to <laughs> to glam rock, but I'm looking for something surprisingly good, and 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 I found it in the form of Cinderella. Yeah, Long Cold Winter came out in '88, and off of Mercury, and the song is a is a two parter. It starts uh, with Bad Seamstress, and then goes with a, for, to the main song, which is called Falling Apart at the Seams. You familiar with this one? I sure am. Big fan. There's a little Joe Perry in here and maybe even a little ACDC. I, all rock is blues, but this is a little more plainly so. You know, yeah, the, the they, blues is right on the surface. With, with, with this album in particular, Cinderella really, really em- embraced that, that bluesy, folksy, southern kind of thing into the music. And it, uh, it, it makes this album just, to me, come alive. 
Well, and it's I I know the bar is pretty low. I again I hate to give all the backhanded stuff to the to the genre, but I just can't help it. And like, but like you say, the the genre itself is pretty shallow. You know, it, I mean, there's not a lot of depth lyrically or musically. You know, when the when the critics gave it shit back when it first came out for for you know being so populated by by musicians that were so obviously not great. It it it's nice to see something like look back and see Cinderella and go, oh no, they actually had chops. Yeah, and, and I, I know you're not a fan of of, of the, the the idea of you know it's of a time, <laughs> but this, mm-hmm. this 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 period of of, of music, this this era of, of rock and roll, this glam rock phase or whatever you want to call it, uh, was definitely of the '80s because I mean it just screams excess and overindulgence and and yeah. it kind of factors into like the political climate of the times as well. So you can kind of see how the two things work together with each other. It's interesting to kind of look back and be like, oh, Reaganomics and uh, all of this hair metal kind of works. I don't know. Like maybe the two, it's not by design, I, yeah, obviously, yeah. but it, it makes a certain amount of sense. But it happened. It it, it happened uh, simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Cinderella, one of the reasons I was so surprised by this to go back and listen to it and, and, and have it strike me as being kind of good is the fact that I remember them as being, at least visually, one of the silliest looking bands. Like <laughs> they were really done up, you know, like a lot. They were. And there's almost like a, like a certain amount of, of pageantry that went into like some of their music videos. I don't even remember the, the, the costumes were a little, I mean, like they weren't like costume costumes in that sense, but like they were, they, they had a look that was like, wow, that, that took some time, <laughs> you know? Do you think a, a lot of the pro, you know, like, like this era died over, you know, seemingly overnight. Uh, do you think that's part of the problem that they kind of painted themselves into a, a cultural corner? Like they, they couldn't pivot away from this just cause it, the look was so, so stark, you know, so obviously with this one thing. Well, it's 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 easy to look back now and and kind of see the 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 line from the end of the '80s to the beginning of the '90s. Uh, you you look back now and you see it so freaking clearly. It, it's kind of shocking, but mm-hmm. the '90s were like the uh, were almost like a, like a counter response to the '80s, and and, and yes. so everything that happened to music in the early '90s was like a, a response to the that excess that that overindulgence that we just talked about from the 80s music you know so it, it just makes yeah it's just kind of i don't know this, this is 
weird, beautiful harmony about the way it all just kind of dovetails together. Isn't that weird? The 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 convergence of politics and culture, I guess, is the best yeah. way. I, I uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, you got to re- remember too, the, it it especially by the end of the '80s, and and the kind of like the, the the rise and fall of hair metal was tied to. It kind of became like a like a almost like a, like a, like a jocular boys club kind of thing, and if you weren't cool mm-hmm. enough to be in that club, then you know you're another outsider. And then the outsiders kind of took the scene over in the early '90s. You know, with the rise of Nirvana and Pearl Jam and and, and grunge music in particular was was such a counterpunch to to glam rock that uh, it was it was inevitable that the, the people who felt excluded by that kind of music were going to rise up and take it away from people. And and as a fan of glam rock. Did you? I know. I I know. You said earlier that you you embraced that cultural shift, or at least musically, you did. But I, I don't know about you, but like when that happened, I kind of rejoiced. I really liked the idea that these seemingly authentic bands, or at least you know, serious—I don't know what to call—you <laughs> know, the the overarching uh, aesthetic. But I was kind of glad to watch glam rock die. Oh. Were you kind of forlorn about the death? No, not at all. Um... That was kind of like my gateway into heavy metal to begin with. You know, like, yeah, I used like Def Leppard and, yeah. and Motley Crue as like a stepping stone to get to the thrash metal that I really, truly was obsessed with. And the real you. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. at, at that point in, in, in time, uh, you know, Metallica had put out And Justice, and I think in 89, and they, they went quiet after their tour. You know, Metallica wasn't putting out new stuff yet. And when they came back, it was a lot different because the 90s were a lot different than the yeah. end of the 80s. You know, grunge kind of filled that void while some of my favorite bands were reassessing what they were going to be doing in the 90s because uh, people's people's tastes had changed so drastically. Yeah. Seemingly overnight, like you, like you were saying. It really does seem like the A&R guys were feeding us the glam rock for for way long. Like, like Mercury had a hard time letting Cinderella go because by the time I got my job... Uh, at the record store in 95, we still had Cinderella promos coming in mm. for that still climbing album. I don't know if you know that record. Uh, I think it was, I think it was released in 94, okay. but we, we had a copies. We had so many of those promos sitting around for, I think they were still there when I left, you know, cause we had so many <laughs> no, <laughs> Cinderella it, promos. You know? I, I think, I think every band on my list is, is a band that, you know, I think was doing good things. And as, as they were, they unfortunately peaked too soon because their next big album was coming out in the '90s and no one cared anymore. And it was like, oh, that's a bummer because that yeah. is a really good album. <laughs> and that happened to to through several acts. But going back just a little bit, and again, something I was completely oblivious to at the time. But but record companies were just cranking out these bands that looked and sounded like the ones that were making hits. Yeah, and it, like it was just just diluted with cheap imitations of, of mm-hmm. you know Motley Crue or, or even Guns N' Roses to a certain extent. Even though I don't consider Guns yeah. N' Roses hair metal, they they sort of kind of sort of got lumped in there into that 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 weird gene pool. Yeah, so they were in the mix. So I guess it makes sense that they would and and you know Axel's look early on was was pretty glammy. Well and I I don't I don't and I wonder how much of that was designed to lean into the popularity of the scene or if perhaps like the the record execs were like, hey, you know, put some blush on buddy and, and tease that hair. Yeah, get, where Geffen is like, hey, come on, fit in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, GNR to me is a completely separate entity. They they sound different, and and, and I and not that it matters, but they looked different, you know. And, yeah. And 
I, I, under, I understand that there's overlap, but it's just not the same. No, no, I agree. And actually, I was going to bring this up with one of your bands, but we haven't gotten there yet, so <laughs> I won't say anything just yet. Let's talk about one of your bands. Let's talk about your number three. Uh, I'm, I'm actually sticking with Cinderella. I'm staying with you. It's the same album. Uh, Gypsy Road is my song selection. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, Gypsy Road was, was, a, was a song that came out that convinced me that uh, Cinderella was, was uh, a, a notch above the glam, a notch above the hair, as it were. And uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Tom Kiefer in particular, their, their lead singer-songwriter, was really good at that. That he, he's actually a legit musician who knows what the hell he's doing and knows how to put together a song and, and, and lyrics and harmonies. And uh, I, my appreciation for Cinderella has grown over the years, as, as is my appreciation for Tom Kiefer as an artist. Uh, he's just released, a, 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 I think it's his second solo album since Cinderella disbanded. Okay. And it's the same kind of wonderful musicianship. Like that, that guy just has talent and he deserves to be making music as long as he wants to. Huh. And the, uh, Gypsy Row was a song that convinced me. That, that that was a good thing. Cinderella and, and Tom Kiefer can play as long as they want. I do really like the riff and it, it, the, the song itself. I mean, if I find I've, I have found this week when I was going through all of my, you know, I was wading through the, 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 the pool mm-hmm. of glam rock, uh, that ankle deep pool of glam rock. <laughs> yes. Very, very shallow. As we said, uh, you really have to kind of strip what you already know about the bands in order to appreciate the music at all, if there even is a chance that you will. Uh, this song in particular, Gypsy Road, kind of sounds like a classic song. It's almost a shame it was released when it was. Yeah, I mean, because I think that was, what, 88, 89 for that song? And, and then it was... It, it was 88 on Long Cold, yeah. Right, right before the end. <laughs> right before the end. I, I like it when... It, it was really nice to, to run into Cinderella. Um, not that I've probably spent a whole lot of time listening to them, but this is... So much better than, say, Poison. Sure. Yeah, no, I no, I definitely agree. Where the lack of quality is kind of laid bare when you listen, at least when I listen to Poison. Uh, Cinderella does, a, I, I guess we've already kind of beaten this into the ground, but yeah, they've they've definitely got the chops for this, and, and it was kind of nice to find someone like them. I, I 100% agree, and as, as someone who, who will will drive around listening to the, the, the Hair Nation on his uh, Sirius XM radio, uh, I always uh-huh. am delighted from the break from Poison for Cinderella. So, okay, so we're kind of shitting on Poison, which makes me wonder. You know, as a fan of the genre, is there anyone you can't stand? You know, and I, I, I will be one hundred percent candid with you. Uh, there was a point in which I did like Poison because it was very, I don't know, bubblegum pop kind of stuff, like you know, catchy songs and catchy hooks and stuff like that. 
Um, it was unskinny bop. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, that was kind of the beginning of the end for them. But the, that first album in particular is very catchy, and, and like I said, it has a, like those, that bubblegum kind of feel to it. Sure. Uh, but as I've gotten older, and I, I, I can kind of just see the, the immaturity of, of the lyrics and, and, and stuff like that, and I, that's going to be a constant when, when, we're, when we're making our remarks about the style because, I mean, immaturity is basically the run-through for most of the bands who played hair metal. You know, it's very immature. It's very boys club. It's very, uh, where can I put my penis? You know, stuff like that. Which is why I think it's pretty easy for people to file this under uh, stupid music by stupid people. Sure. Right? That's fair. I think <laughs> like, that's fair. I don't even know if it's fair, but that's, that's I think, the assumed thing about it is that, like, you didn't have to. It's not like you had to be good at the music or smart. Or any, you know, it, it was just like you said. You just had to have the right look and the right attitude. Well, that's that's what that's what's nice about what we're doing, though. Is is we're, we're kind of pointing out that the, hey, there was more to this. A li- at least a little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say I'd say so. And my number two actually is uh, it's kind. I, this almost feels like cheating, and I'll explain <laughs> why. This is first off. This is from 1991, which feels like whoa for real. This came out in 1991. This is from Slave to the Grind. It's the title track by Skid Row. Uh, are you a fan of Sebastian and Company? I am, actually. I do enjoy the Skid Row still to this day. And I, Skid Row, by the way, still a band now, even with Sebastian not in the group. Yeah, I thought I had heard that, that because he's, he's too busy on Broadway or whatever, right? Well, he's doing, he's doing like a solo thing, and uh, I guess he, he put out a couple statements. He was very bummed to have to cancel his, his most recent tour because of the COVID-19 outbreak. But uh, okay. he's looking forward to hitting the road again very, very soon. In case you were looking for tickets to anything, uh, Skid Row's an East Coast band. I didn't, I did not Jersey. realize they were a New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Did you know that growing up out there, ish? Yes, uh, be, I think mostly because of because of where I was living. Uh, that that was kind of running to the ground <laughs> over and over again. Like, hey, they're from Jersey. I mean, there's only one hair metal band that I think of when I think of New Jersey, and it ain't Skid Row. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, Skid Row was sort of a late addition. Their first record came out, I think, in 89, and this one's 91. It's way later than I remembered. Mm -hmm. They had the chops to be a better band, a little like Guns N' Roses. And this song, especially Slave to the Grind, it's kind of thrashy. Yes, there's a lot of really cool, heavy things on that album. You are 100% right. This is one of theirs that I don't mind because of that. It's, it's like I said, that's what I was saying about this feels like cheating is because it doesn't even sound like hair metal necessarily. And Sebastian Bach is, is so, you know, magnetic. Uh, even if it is still kind of silly, it, it's heavy. Uh, and I don't normally, uh, we just brought up Dave Mustaine and I think I was able to shit on him yet again. <laughs> but this kind of sounds like the better Megadeth. 
Hey, you know, Sebastian is, 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 a, is a strong personality. I know he rubs people, a lot of people the wrong way, but the dude can fucking sing. I'll give him that. He has got the pipes, unlike Mr. Mustaine. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> now, I wonder what kind of rooms Skid Row was playing before, obviously, before the pandemic hit. You know, are they selling out like county fairs or are we talking, uh, you know, a little more? Are we talking concert halls or bigger? Um, you know, honestly, I think uh, there was one time I was coming back from Mammoth, I think. So I, I kind of passed through mm-hmm. your old stomping grounds on the way back to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure there was a billboard for them to play in like Pachanga or something. Now, see, that makes sense. And and I was actually just thinking about this not that long ago where casinos, they like they'll they'll have actually top-notch acts but they'll also do nostalgia acts which i don't i don't think skid row would mind too much being called that uh i don't know if i guess i don't know that for sure but yeah they'll they'll get people in there yeah for skid row it just makes me wonder is that the new county fair again nothing against county fairs because that's where i first saw weird al so god bless the county fair sometimes (laughs) but like i guess what i'm saying is if they wanted to launch a tour with actual venues and outside of casinos and that kind of thing, would they be able to have a successful run? I, you might know. You, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I assume it's all about like the venue size, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the real key. Well, that's what I'm asking: is like, can they can they fill seats or not? Because the casino will. I mean, the casino helps a lot getting getting asses in the seats, and the county fair helps a lot because people are already there. So that's kind of at the core. of My question is: could they fill seats, say downtown San Diego? You know, I maybe if they ever did like a reunion tour with Sebastian Bach, uh-huh. you know, and it was that OG original lineup, um, it could, because I think it's the same thing yeah. that happened with with Guns N' Roses. You know, when when Slash and everybody was gone, it was just Axel and you know X Y and Z behind him. Nobody cared about those shows. Yeah. You know, I, you know, if if you're gonna, if you're gonna embrace nostalgia, like people want the actual nostalgia. They want as close to the OG lineup as you can get. Yeah. Now, granted, some of these guys, uh, some of these bands we're talking about have have suffered, uh, you know, untimely deaths within the group. But Skid Row is actually not one of those bands. It's it's basically the entire. I think the lineup's almost entirely the same, uh, with the exception of the singers. Well, all right. Um, we should move on. We've probably spent a little too much time on Skid Row. Uh, your number two. <laughs> Is a band I had almost no memory of. Let me hear about Kicks, man. All right, so this is a, a, this shows a little bit of my my East Coast upbringing because Kicks was like the biggest band to come out of Baltimore in basically forever. Oh, okay. They and they they rock. They are a really good band. They've been around. I think their first album came out in '81. Uh, yeah, it kind of there's sort of that that boys club thing in some of their songs, you know, like getting together with girls and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But they they showed that they can play their guitars, they can play their instruments, and always a good idea. Yes, they're singing about getting together with girls, but lyrically they're doing it in a, in a much more impressive way than than a lot of their. Uh, I want to say Jesus, I was about to say kin, but uh, that's not the right word. <laughs> than their brethren, uh-huh. you know, in in the genre. Okay, and I I think. I think if you go through uh, Kix's back catalog of albums, you just there's really good rock and roll albums. Like, sure, they qualify as glam and hair metal, but those are good rock albums to this day. Well, you can hear in in the song that you picked, you can definitely hear a Judas Priest kind of a maybe with some ACDC. Yeah, and they actually have a, a song on the album that follows the one that that, that we're gonna play that unfortunately hit right as metal and hair metal in particular were getting punched in the crotch from Nirvana. Uh, that is very ACDC, you know, like Bon Scott era ACDC. And uh, okay. again, again you, you, you take away the timing of things and like it's just a good rock album. 
I, I love their catalog. I, I picked this song because it's, it's just my personal favorite. But again, go get on Spotify, man. Play their albums. It's fun. <laughs> just good rock and roll. And the song is uh, from nineteen from 1988's Blow My Fuse album. And it's called, what is it called? Uh, Cold Blood. Research on Kick since I had like no memory. I mean, I remember the name mm-hmm. obviously because I, you know, it's like the only band to be named after a breakfast cereal. I think. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't. I'm kidding. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> by the way, on on their, I, I believe it's on their first album. It might be their second album though. But they do have a song called uh, "Kicks Is for Kids." So, <laughs> of course, though they they lean into it a little bit. It's it's pretty fun. That's I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, people online accuse Brett Michaels of uh, stealing Steve Whiteman's style. Yes, I'm I'm very familiar with this rumor. This was a a very uh, big topic on on radio in Baltimore. Uh, uh, Ninety eight Rock was the was the Baltimore rock station, and they love to talk about mm-hmm. this story, especially at night when they would play Kicks albums, basically from nine to midnight. Oh, so this isn't generally speaking. This is like an incident. Um. I couldn't say with any any certainty, but I know Kix believes that Brett Michaels stole his kind of like stage persona. Oh, okay. And it, it kind of jives because, you know, Kix was a band that was touring up and down the East Coast in the in the early 80s, 80, 81, 82. Mm-hmm. And Brett Michaels is from Pittsburgh. It's very likely he saw Kix shows when he, when he was young and, and deciding to be a rock star himself. And does Michaels deny it or? <laughs> that I don't know. I, I, I would imagine he probably does deny it because why, why would yeah. he want to sully whatever image he has left by, by many. Yeah. I totally stole my persona. <laughs> Man, I hate to do this cause I'm a middle-aged guy and I don't look anything like I used to either, but Brett Michaels is one of the, one of the few guys where God, I feel shitty saying this. I see <laughs> photos of him and I go, woof. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like Jesus, Brett, could your uh, headband get any bigger? Jesus. That bandana, he rocks around his hairline. Woo. And he's a type one diabetic, so he's probably suffering from the same shit that I am. So it doesn't make any sense that I'm going to pile on. But you guys should be brothers. I have this visceral reaction. Where I go, oh, out loud. You know, again, like I said, I, I, I had a, a dalliance with, with enjoying the music of Poison. Um, but once he started doing like reality shows, I was like, what is this guy doing? Like he just can't let go of the limelight. Staying relevant, all in any way they can. You know, like Rock of Love. What was it? It was like Rock of Love or Love Bus or one of those things where he's trying to find his his ideal woman. Well, I, I mean, now I'm just getting mixed up with Flavor Flav, so I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I might be mixing <laughs> genres, but I know Flavor Flav and, and Brett had these these kind of like dueling romance shows on MTV and stuff. And I'm sure it's the same press. I'm sure it's the same premise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, wow, man. I don't know. 
This is the guy who's, whose songs are basically about treating women like cum dumpsters. <laughs> yes, yes. If you need to cut that out, you can. I was not trying to be provocative or offensive. <laughs> no, no fucking way am I cutting that out. But you know what time it is. It's time for uh, number ones. Ooh. And uh, I will talk, I will be talking about, really, this is my only nostalgic pick, sure. I think. Because, you know, I can appreciate Skid Row in, in hindsight. I can appreciate Cinderella in a similar fashion. But Def Leppard in their shiniest, glossiest phase in 1987-88, that was my shit during, <laughs> like, fifth and sixth grade. I, I was going to say, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that, that Pour Some Sugar on Me was, uh, was the first music video I ever saw when we got cable. So I, I understand. Totally makes sense because that was a gigantic video. They played it, it felt like every 10 minutes it was on. Yeah, I think you're right. And Def Leppard obviously is the British band. They're from Sheffield. And this album was recorded by Mutt Lang, who I think is kind of a dick, but I have to give him props here because this is an immaculate album and kind of a forward thinking one. Like this, I, I still can't think of anything, and maybe you can, that sounds like this at the time are there is there any other bands that that sound like Def Leppard in 87 88 well it's funny cuz I, I was going to i think i kind of hinted earlier uh, in our in our in the show that uh this was going to be the band i kind of wanted to argue with you about a little bit because i kind of don't think they qualify oh really why not cuz i think they're too good they're too good they're too good they oh, man. this is a band that has their own sound and they've always sounded this way po- pre and post hair metal era like Def Leppard is Def Leppard, and, well, and that's never going to change. I will disagree with you, at least in this respect. <laughs> that they're not too good. I, I, I <laughs> kinda. <laughs> I have a very short window of appreciation sure. for Def Leppard. A little bit of '81's High and Dry, a good portions of '83's Pyromania, and large swaths of the album Hysteria. And then, as soon as you get to Adrenalize there and thereafter. Anything that came out, what was the big song off Adrenalize? Like Let's Rock or some shit. I think, I think it was Let's, Let's Rock. Get Rock. Let's Get Rocked. Yeah. I mean, and I was a fan. I, granted, I had moved on to other genres at this point, but I kind of wanted to like it. And as soon as I heard that song, I went, "Well, that's over." And it was. I think I checked in to that record. I checked into the one in '96 called Slang because I remember having it on the shelves. Actually, I think I think it might have been Slang that had the Let's Get Rocked on it. Now that I think about it. I thought it was adrenalized, but it, it doesn't matter. The point being is that my window is about an album and a half. And after that, I don't think they're very good at all. So that's it. And so, But you don't think they're, they qualify because, what, they're too too deep in terms of, like, talent? I, I just think their sound was always their sound. They just happened to be a band that came up in this era. And they so they kind of got lumped okay. into it. Um, but they're touring with those guys. Uh, certainly, they were just on a big tour with somebody. Who was it? Well, you know, I went to the big tour with uh, with Journey and Cheap Trick, so there you go. <laughs> That's that might be what I was thinking of, yeah. But they, they are on the road with somebody else now too. I, I forget who they're they're touring again with, but uh, well, let me say a few words about Hysteria. Yes, because please do. Like I say, the the nostalgia thing. I was a pretty sheltered kid. I think I I, I legitimately I think it, before I discovered Def Leppard, I was listening to like Richard Marx. You know, I, I actually really appreciate George Michael, but I was listening to like Wham. 
you know, so this this to me at the time felt really edgy. Sure, of course. It was, you know, suppo- supposedly metal. They didn't even spell their name right. You know? <laughs> so it was super cool, and that font was so dope. <laughs> oh, the font. Yeah, the font sold the band almost on its own. You're like, that's rock right there. I can't tell you how much time I spent, you know, doodling that font on my, my binder. Uh, <laughs> you weren't so. alone. You were not alone. The group conspired to write, like, this was purposeful. They had gotten done with Pyromania, and it was, I think they sold, like, 10 million albums. It was a really popular record. Sure. And they, in, or, in order to follow that up, they, they actually purposefully sat down and said, we want to make a pop album. Maybe not in those terms, but they wanted to make something with mass appeal, and so they did, and it completely worked. I, like I say, I disagree with you a little bit here, and, and maybe this is the musician in me. I don't think they're particularly talented players. Okay. The only real star here is the production. Mutt Lang's production is slick, and it's fresh, and he made them sound really new. I will take that, though. I will take what you said into consideration, though, because, I mean, they were pretty new. <laughs> you know, they, they already were popular, so um, maybe they didn't need it as much as I thought they did. Well, I- but the, and there's other... No- Oh, sorry. No, 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 please. I want you to make your, please make your point. I was going to, I was just going to add on some other things here that are notable. Like they, they were able to completely get past, no pun intended, the handicap of a one-armed drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in my opinion, a, a really sub-average bassist in Rick Savage, <laughs> uh, some of the bass lines, if you, if you focus on those, they're just plotting. But yeah, Rick, Rick Allen, the drummer joined the band at 15, lost his arm like, I don't know, like eight or nine years later in 1984. And uh, I, I can't remember in my reading now who got him into playing with uh, electric drum pads, but I mean, saved the band and him, yeah. Rick Allen. It, it made sure Rick Allen was successful enough to go on to be a wife beater some uh, <laughs> later on. I, I was going to say, it, it, unfortunate. It, is, it is a band with a lot of like, like tragedy in their, in their history. I mean, a lot of things have happened to these guys uh, as they've been together. It's, it's, I'm sure it'll be at one point it'll be the subject of the next big music biopic that Hollywood produces. Yeah, I, I'm actually not. I didn't. I guess I didn't read deep enough. What other tragedies befell them? Do you remember? Oh, one of their guitar players died of a drug overdose, and and you know there's there's a lot of that kind of like rock star lifestyle that kind of caught up with them. Okay, and I'm sure some drugs, etc. Yeah, of course. I mean, again, '80s bands excess, so that includes yeah. the drugs and the drinking and and all and all of that. The thing I still appreciate about this, apart from my nostalgia, is they, they do have a, a, a pronounced emphasis on melody. They, they do a lot of vocal layering, which, which actually layering really bothers me a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But it kind of works here. I, I don't know if it's um, – is it Joe Elliott who's the singer? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's just his chops or what, but the whole album just sounded so new at the time. I wore this cassette out twice. I think I had to buy this three times. Wow. And that was a a tall order at that age. I think I was 12 at the most, maybe 10 or 11. So do you have a a favorite cut on Hysteria? You know, this is an album that for me, again, was, was, was very impactful on, on a, on a, on a young boy's life. (laughs) This, Mm -hmm. again, this was like one of those first rock and roll albums that I was like, oh man, this is just incredible. Um, it's hard to pick one. I I love Rocket. I think Rocket's a rad song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Armageddon is another one that I really, really enjoy. It's an album that I can play backward, back, back to front to this day and, and still enjoy the heck out of it. Okay. And actually, it was funny. I, I wore my wife out with this album because I was prepping her for that Def Leppard Journey concert we were going to. 
And she was like, I don't think I know Def Leppard songs. And I was like, you know Def Leppard songs. And I had to remind her basically with this album. And she did, I'm sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> she, she's not that much younger than I am. She knows this album. Well, I, I picked Rocket. I think uh, it, it, going into it to revisit it, I don't think I would have guessed that Rocket would have been my favorite. It probably would have been like uh, Women or Animal or something like that. But Rocket, I think, really stands out. Animal's great, too. That's a good one. Good, that's a good pull, too. Yeah. You're right. Isn't Don't Shoot Shotgun on that album, or is that a Bon Jovi song? <laughs> I can't, honestly can't remember. No, that is, a, that is on this album as well. Yeah, you're right. Good okay, call. yeah, yeah. Okay. They have a great catalog, man. I know I know you I know you're kind of downplaying them, but they they have a really good catalog of music. Foolin, Rock of Ages, I mean, come on. That and that's all on Pyromania. Photograph. That's what I was, that's what I was going to ask you if you had to suggest a place for me to go with Def Leppard apart from their second, third or fourth records, where would you send me? You know, it's funny. I was I was going to kind of try and shoot down your point about the albums they put out in the 90s not being very good. Um, and, and be like, oh, Jeff, that's just because your tastes were different at that point. But mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, I cor- corrected myself and said, no, I think he's right. <laughs> they just, <laughs> those albums they put in the 90s were not great. Uh, but, but I give them props for trying. Uh, with, no matter how you feel about Def Leppard, even if I loved Def Leppard, I still have to tell this joke because it's so insensitive and funny. It's my favorite <laughs> music joke of all time. I think you probably can guess what joke I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sure I've probably heard it before, but please, go by all means. Well, it's, it, 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 I'm bearing the lead here because we've already talked about the punchline, but what has seven arms and sucks? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about your number one. So my number one, I, I, I picked this band because uh, they are a counter to a lot of the things that we talked about as, as negatives of, 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 of the hair metal genre, and that would be Vixen. Uh-huh. And Vixen is a all-girl, all-female rock and roll hair metal band that bucks the trend of the boys club that, that seemed to just be all over the place whenever you turn on MTV. And Vixen rocked. They could play their instruments. They had, I thought they had wonderful melodies, wonderful lyrics. And I listened, and again, maybe I'm blinded by my nostalgia for it, mm-hmm. but I think Edge of a Broken Heart is a phenomenal song and holds up to this day. I actually think that this song could have lived outside of the era. I think that, I think they, I think they became a victim of the era, honestly, because uh, that, fir- that first album is great, but the second album is really good too. It just dropped at a really bad time for rock and roll and music in general. I mean, I don't want to, to get too focused on the female thing, but there are certain moments in this song that remind me of Heart, and Heart is in a hair metal band, you know? So oh, sure. I, yeah, I, I do think, I do think, although this particular song I looked into, do you know who wrote this song? I don't think I do. 
Richard Marks. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I did know that at one point. I, I, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> We've come full circle here. Yeah. It written by Richard Marks and someone named Fee Waybill of The Tubes, which I have a vague mem- uh, memory of. I think I have a vague memory of them as well. Uh, I did read that uh, allmusic.com regarded Vixen as the female equivalent of Warrant. <laughs> and I wanted to know, well, they also said not the best of the era, but certainly not the worst. Uh, but I wanted to specifically get your thoughts on that. Do you think this is the female equivalent of Warrant? No. Warrant's more of that uh, let me put my prick in you kind of music. And don't get me wrong. Cherry pie, et cetera. I have a sauce off for Warrant, too. But <laughs> the, the, Warrant's, Warrent's the epitome of, of, of shallow hair metal. Yeah. I thought Vixen was great because Vixen could play. And I mean, not, not that Warrant can't play. I, I don't want to get into that comparison. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're, I think their songs have the actual genuine emotion to them. Again, I, I just like I, one of the things I like is the bucking the trend of, of, of hair metal being like for boys only. And it's like, no, fuck you. We can play, too. actually stumbled upon something here well maybe that makes it sound like it was an accident Uh, (laughs) i think you've touched on something here where this song actually i kind of do believe the emotion in it a little bit more than i would uh the other hair you know glam rock brethren you know so, so many ballads in this in this era that are just you know well we have to write a ballad you know and it's just you never once thought oh i bet brett michaels really feels this way or something (laughs) usually you know right right but with vixen i i i do one one of the other reasons why i picked vixen was i do feel like i do feel like lita four gets a little bit too much credit for for her role in 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 the the genre of music and like i don't get me wrong i like lita just fine but I mean, Lita kind of had a reputation already. It wasn't she in The Runaways or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't remember if she was or wasn't. Perpetually outshined by Joan Jett, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, Vixen, you know where Vixen is from? I found this interesting. St. Paul. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I read up on that as, uh, as well, yeah. I think that I think they have L.A. roots mostly, but like they moved to L.A. to do it. But I like the idea that, that we're not just talking about L.A. and New York bands, so... Anyway. Well, I mean, that, that definitely seemed like the, the recipe for success, right? was like, wherever you're at, just move to L.A. and, and get a gig on the strip somewhere, and, and someone's going to sign you. Yeah. Well, I think that about brings us to the end. Do you have any also rands you'd like to talk about? Anything else that got close to making your list? I mean, uh, we've been a little uh, insulting to many of the bands that were popular during this era. Like, mm-hmm. we, we just kind of... Uh, slapped Warrant right in the crotch, but I have to admit I really enjoyed Warrant when I was a kid, and I still have a soft spot for him now. And like Cherry Pie, Cherry Pie in particular, but like I just they would fit well into a power ballad show 
<laughs> for sure, because I think they were the masters of it. Oh, okay. Um, and we didn't really, again, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about hair metal and not mention just how significant Motley Crue was in defining what that scene looked like. So I don't want to ignore them and, and, and kind of like the way they set the tone for how mm-hmm. that L.A. glam rock scene was going to play out. I mean, they, they, they set the bar pretty damn high for as far as the attitude, I suppose, that was re- required to be one of these bands. Uh, yeah. It, what's your favorite crew song? Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I liked anything off of Girls, Girls, Girls was, was, was popular with me. And then obviously Dr. Feelgood was a huge album once Bob Rock got involved and kind of like focused their sound and their energy in, in that direction. Uh, but as I've gotten older... I've gone back into their catalog, and I actually like the stuff off of, uh, what is the first album, Too Fast for Love? Mm-hmm. I find a lot more uh, uh, youthful energy in, in that album that I, that I didn't really appreciate when they Hungrier. were- Hungrier. Yeah, exactly. It was like, you know, it's like, we want to be what they would grow into be, and it, it kind of shows on the album as, as they are clawing and kind of scraping their way to, to relevance. I have some also rans and, he, and here's what I'd like to do with you. I'm going to say my also rans and you just give me a reaction. Could be thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, whatever you want to say. Okay. So I have two Bon Jovi songs. You give love a bad name. How dare you include Bon Jovi in this list? They're fucking timeless. <laughs> and, and I also have bad medicine. Do you have feelings on those songs? I love those songs. I love John Bon Jovi. He's an American treasure. I knew you would. <laughs> I think that was like a joke back when you and I first started hanging out, right? I make fun of you about uh, how much Bon Jovi meant to you. Uh, that and also when you when you first started the podcast, and uh, I think you and Jovi both were making fun of Bon Jovi at one time, and I, I sent you a very uh, very emotional text about how dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I love uh, One of Dead or Alive, but that's not that's not hair metal. So they, I was gonna say they are the true kings of New Jersey, not Skid Row. Yes, well, that's fair. I think, yeah. Uh, I would probably include more Skid Row, or I, I should say I considered more Skid Row. I, I've always kind of liked uh, Tesla's signs. I remember that being on MTV a lot, and because that's acoustic, and that's kind of interesting, at least at least within the genre. Yeah, you know what? Tesla rocks. I, I do like Tesla quite a bit, too. They, uh, they have a, um, a, a unique sound of their own, and uh, they've kind of – they've kind of sort of – been able to persevere the you know the 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 death of hair metal and, and glam rock and and kind of continue to do their own thing which uh I, I again that kind of resolve is impressive to me and I think they sound good still so uh I I was surprised to find out how much I didn't mind Slaughter's Flight of the Angels oh you know what man oh I <laughs> yeah I'm I'm getting embarrassed because you're naming all these bands I have like such big soft spots for and I actually really like Slaughter. <laughs> I do really okay. like, like Slaughter. Mark Slaughter shredded his voice doing those albums, uh, but that that sound oh. was very unique. I see, and that, but that's what I'm saying here is these are these are my also rands. I considered these. Uh, I considered Quiet Riot, Come On, Feel the Noise, but I just didn't feel like that was there's not there's not enough hair going on there. You know, there's what I mean? not enough hair. Not enough hair. You know who does have a lot of hair is Dokken. Ooh, they sure do. 
That is accurate. The only reason I included them in, in uh, as possibly being chosen from my from my list is because as any good Freddy Krueger fan, you have to kind of have a, a at least a passing appreciation for the song Dream Warriors. Yeah, I, I, you know Dawkins one of those bands. I was never a huge Dawkins fan, but they have some hits that are uh, I don't know. I, I guess hold up fairly well by modern standards. Uh, particularly mm-hmm. the stuff when when George Lynch was their was their lead guitarist. Uh, that guy could shred. Well, and the last one I want to talk about is something you kind of laughed at me when I mentioned off air. Uh, but I, there's a fair amount of nostalgia for Winger's first album. I uh, Winger was never Winger never connected with me. I, I have to admit. <laughs> Why they're so good? I'm kidding. They're not good. I think I think you just think Kip Winger is really really dreamy. Like you get lost in his eyes when you watch that music video. Like you're supposed to. And he has like his, he had, I think I believe he had the dangly George Michael earring. Oh and, yes, uh, you know his permanent five o'clock shadow. He was he was overly tanned as as far as I remember from the uh, video as well. He, <laughs> so. I mean, he was like the prettiest of the pretty boys, <laughs> which is saying a lot. But you know, the the thing about Winger is is that they were they they were kind of road dogs. Um, I believe Kip Winger was a former member of Alice Cooper's band. And I think like the other ones, the, the, like the other guys had all really cut their teeth on the road, backing up other big bands. I guess the funny thing about it is, is that these guys are supposedly really talented, and, and yet the best thing they could come up with was a was a huge song about sleeping with someone who's uh, under eighteen. So, a, a, a message that resonates to this day. And I guess Kip Winger backpedaled at some point because I read a quote where he said, hey, 17 was legal in Colorado, which I guess is where he's from. I don't know. (laughs) So he didn't even get the joke when someone laughed about it, which is just just crazy. I mean, in terms of naivete, it's just nuts. That's impressive, man. I'll be honest. That's impressive. (laughs) (laughs) So we got uh, listeners, a few listeners chimed in. Uh, Justin talks crew, especially likes Livewire. Uh, faster pussycat shooting you down i i include all these on the playlist if listeners chime in right on and then a name of a band a name of a band i haven't heard in a long time bango tango a song called someone like you wow uh, yeah there you go they're, they're, they are still featured prominently on on hair nation on on sirius xm i feel like i'm doing a commercial uh carrie says poison's nothing but a good time motley Cruz kickstart my heart i will admit kickstart my heart actually has a, a special kind of momentum I, I don't mind that song at all i know I, I actually love that song so I, I i love that album i love the dr feelgood album i mean like i said bob rock really took their uh energy and exuberance and and, and focused it into a, a, pre- a pretty solid fucking rock album you know what though? I'm about to I'm about to disgust you when I tell you my actual favorite Motley Crue song is Hooligans Holiday. Wow. Isn't that a is that a Rob Karabi song? It is, yeah. It's that one Holy album that they shit. did in the mid nineties without uh what's his face? Yeah. Yeah, without Vince. It's heavy. What do you want me to say? Anyway, um uh Carrie also mentioned mentions Guns N' Roses Welcome to the Jungle. Right on. But I think we've already I mean, granted, great song, but um, you know, I think that's more of a coincidence than it is hair metal. 
I, I agree with you. But again, great song. Great album. Amazing debut album. Appetite for Destruction is one of the best debut albums ever. It really is. We she Carrie also included three or uh, three specific songs for a couple's skate. Uh, oh, I love this. I love this. Uh, yes. yes. Is this great? Yeah, I feel like this is like only people from our generation are really going to get with the cup. What like the the gravity of a couple's skate. Oh, this, that this is when, when shit gets serious, man. The lights get low. And you get the sparkly lights on. Woo! So Skid Rose, I remember you. Yes. Uh, Every rose has its thorn. There you go. Sure, sure. And then she mentions uh, our, you know, Def, Def Leppard, uh, Hysteria's Love Bites. Ooh, good call there. Yeah, because that one has like a little bit of energy in it, too. Well, it's an interesting couple skate because it's not a happy love. I'm in love with you song, is it? Yeah, Love Bites is a little bit more sad, but so is Every Rose Has a Thorn. I guess that's true, yeah. Uh, Edgar chimed in, said Cold as Ice, and I think that's a Foreigner song. Does Foreigner... Pass the smell test for as far as glam rock goes, or is that too old? I will leave that to you. You are wiser and, and, and more uh, mature than I am. I actually think you've got a better set of antenna on this genre. I, 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 I kind of think of Foreigner as being earlier 80s, so, but I don't know why they wouldn't qualify. I don't, I don't want to upset your listener. I'm not sure I would think of them as hair, but, you know, cool. I, I, I can respect it. Do you like Foreigner? They have some. They have some. They have. They have some songs that I dig. I wouldn't say I'm a foreigner fan per se. I don't think Edgar listens, so I'm not. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> say I don't like foreigner. Shots fired at Edgar by by uh, Jeff Nail. Okay. Edgar Edgar brought up a. a he clearly likes Dream Theater because he mentioned that on a previous episode, and I think Joby and I spent a good a good couple of minutes talking about how we didn't like Dream Theater either. So if if he does listen, he's already used to it. Oh, I, I like Dream Theater though. So. <laughs> and then I, I'm just gonna say this song and see if you remember it at all. Okay. The song is called Two Heads Are Better Than One. It's by a band called Power Tool, and it was featured prominently in a movie from the 80s. Is that from Bill and Ted's? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on the Bill and Ted, and that, uh, 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 the, the one where they go to hell, right? No, I, I, well, no, actually, it's Excellent Adventure, which it makes sense, Two Heads Better Than One, because they put together Station and stuff in the sequel. But uh, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It, but yeah, I, I knew it was Bill and Ted's. I get, I get half credit. <laughs> And that pick, that pick goes to uh, Mrs. Nail, actually. Hey, fair enough. not doing a spotify wager although if you could assign me anything what would it be uh i think you should check out the the kicks kicks debut album oh okay do you remember what it's called i think it's just called kicks no okay it's from like uh from uh, 81 before i jump into my closing ceremonies tell me about uh either of your podcasts uh which one or both for that matter uh let's get your plugs in what are people going to check out just to get more uh t-bone pritchard Ooh! if you want the show where i say a lot of <laughs> naughty words Actually, that would be both of them. <laughs> the one that I'm the one that I'm currently doing the most because uh, I I have crazy lifestyle restrictions at the moment. Uh, but I have the Tomcast podcast, which is a pop culture centric podcast where we talk about 
movies and TV shows, and sometimes we get into video games and comic books and and whatever streaming. And uh, streaming is obviously very popular right now. So we just kind of talked mm. a little bit about Tiger King recently, which I'm sure you guys have watched by now. No, have not, have not. <laughs> but I, I do want to say I'm a I'm I'm more of a fan of your podcast uh, podcast than I'm your other podcast. Because uh, stuff like when you guys first saw the latest Star Wars movie, I, I that was a very long episode, and I listened to every second of it. Yeah, the, the still hot takes on the, on that Star Wars podcast that we did for uh, for uh, the Rise of Skywalker, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, I, I'm a little surprised how much how many how many people disagree with me, but that's fair. I, I got no problem with that. That's okay. <laughs> I don't mind disagreement. I don't mind the discourse. I think you do a really good job at towing the line. To be honest, uh, you know, I, I guess one thing that I always have tried to be in, as an adult, I was probably not this way as a, as a teenager. Well, definitely not as a teenager, but probably not as a kid either. Mm-hmm. But I try to be very. I definitely have my opinion, but I would I'd love I would love to know yours uh-huh. and and not kind of like judge you for it. As long as you don't judge me for mine. I think you're very diplomatic. I don't want to be kind of, I guess diplomatic is the best way to, to to make it sound, but I yeah, I I love I love having a a civil disagreement. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need to be a name calling and, and and all that stuff. No one it doesn't have to be a matter of right and wrong. It's just like let's just talk about it and let's just, uh, have a good time. God forbid we just respectfully disagree. Sorry, <laughs> I interrupted your plugs here. What else have you got? No, 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 but I mean, that that I mean you basically uh, summarized how how the Tomcast podcast works. I mean, we we find a topic and Roger and I generally disagree on it and then or whoever's with me, we don't always agree. Uh, and then if you guys are into into uh, craft beer, indie beer, we have uh, Beer Night in San Diego, which I, I'm currently on a bit of a hiatus from, but I should be back to uh, in, in a few weeks after after school finishes up this semester. But there are plenty of episodes, so dig in. There are plenty of episodes. Yeah, we're we're closing in on 300 on that show. You guys are you guys are cranking through, by the way, too. Well, not this season's a little different, but uh, yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Can can I ask one question for you before you kick me out of here? Yeah, please. Did Jovi not want to do this episode? Did he have no interest in talking about hair metal? <laughs> it's, it's a good, I'm glad you asked. I actually checked with him because I said, hey, I've set up hair metal and I, I'm doing it with a friend of mine. Do you want in on this? And he actually did say no. But if it makes you feel any better, uh, he said, I'll be exhausted by Thursday. <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's also another essential worker. And I think, uh, I think it's maybe harder than normal. Yeah, so. he's talked about he's talked about his job on, on on the podcast before, so I'm sure he's he's quite busy right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll have to ask him because you would think cops aren't as busy, but probably ambulances are. I don't know. I think everybody's on high alert, no matter what. Well, Tom, thanks for doing this. We've been saying we were going to do this forever, and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Do you feel good about it? Yeah, this is this has been a real treat because I've been trying to get you back on back on the the podcast as well, and uh, maybe now with everything shut down, <laughs> we can finally make it happen too. I will do that anytime you want me. You know that. All it took was the world to come to a screeching halt. <laughs> yes. But but we got what we wanted, so God bless it, I guess. <laughs> Silver linings and everything. Silver linings. And, uh, well, that does it for us uh, this episode, everybody. Hit us up on Facebook.com slash The Ringing Ear, at The Ringing Ear, everywhere else. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you're feeling, uh, well, you know, if you're feeling bored, if you don't have a whole lot going on, maybe uh, leave a review, uh, a rating at least. Uh, Please hit up our website where you can find everything from reviews, photos, links to our playlist at killboringmusic.com. That's killboringmusic.com, your ally in the crusade against boring music. Our opening theme song was written by This Mortal Mountain. Please visit them at uh, thismortalmountain.bandcamp.com. 
artists and bands don't forget we will review our music just hit us up at our socials or at the killbarmusic.com slash contact and we will re- give you an honest review at the end of the show we're just gonna dig uh we're just gonna dig a bit more into our uh, uh this mortal mountain i think with their permission tom that's a good call do you know any uh, unsigned bands around town or anything do you, are you a fan of any unsigned bands i i'm not sure if they qualify as an unsigned band or not um uh, but I, I enjoy the music of Dirty Sweet, a local San Diego band. Uh, one of my one of my best friends is is the drummer of that band, and uh, they they kind of rock. I, I like them. There's straightforward rock and roll, but it's it's good stuff. And uh, one of their songs typically opens the Tomcast podcast. I have been playing some plague metal <laughs> with everything going got on. It, got it. <laughs> but yeah, Dirty Sweet is is a good time. Nice guys too. Well, taking us out this week is This Mortal Mountain. This is Jeff reminding you, as always, to fight the good fight, reject the rudimentary, slay the simple, murder the mundane, kill the boring, and by God... Uh, Keep your ears ringing and wash your goddamn hands, you dirty bastards. dumpsters.